It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how we start our off-season process in earnest today with our off-season report card on the wide receiver position and what this is going to be. And we're going to try and get through as many of these as possible before the new league year opens in March, before free agency and all that stuff gets going so that we have a good understanding of where Green Bay might be looking, where they might have issues that they want to address and who could potentially be available. But none of that makes any sense if we don't do an evaluation process. So we're going to start with an explication of the the quality of play of the current players on the roster, in this case the receivers. We will talk about who is potentially available in free agency, what that will cost, and then a brief look at the draft prospects who could be available. In this case, I want to focus specifically on some of the first-round players who could be available because right now that is the trendy pick for the Packers in the first round in all of these mock drafts. And I know that a lot of you are going to have ideas and thoughts and hopes and dreams when it comes to those players. Whether or not Brian Gutekunst gives you the opportunity to actually uh, take those desires and bring them forward with a pick and, and say, oh, this is so great that they picked or this is so awful that they picked with a receiver in the first round, obviously that's an open question. How did... The Packers receivers perform this season. Well, we can say for sure with a lot of them, it was poorly. Overall, it was not good enough. And so we can quibble over the letter grade, however, we want to do that. For me, I went with a C minus. This is just an unacceptable performance. And and part of the reason built into this grade is the expectation we have for these players. It's not just the talent because the talent of these receivers is pretty good. There's plenty of talent. They didn't perform to their talent and that is built into this grade. They were not good enough when it mattered in the NFC Championship game and when this offense struggled or the fact that the offense was inconsistent all season was due in large part to the fact that the receiver and the quarterback were not on the same page. Was it always the fault of the quarterback? No. But the receivers were not doing their job consistently enough. Devontae Adams, I gave a B grade. 
was not on the field for a month because of a turf toe injury. That's not his fault. But even when he was on the field early in the season, was not putting his stamp on the offense, it took him a while to get going, and it wasn't until the second half when he really came forward. I still think he had a good season overall, particularly in the postseason and the playoffs. We saw the kind of player he can be in this offense. If that's the version of Devontae Adams Green Bay gets next year, then this whole consternating about who the Packers are going to bring in in the offseason may seem a little silly because Devontae Adams is that good. He's capable of taking over games. It's having that other guy or two other guys that allows his life to be made easier, and that was where they didn't get enough from Geronimo Allison this season. An F. That is what Geronimo Allison was. He's a free agent and is just not good enough this season to be brought back. It's hard to imagine Green Bay watching his level of play this year, evaluating him and and playing guys like Alan Lazard over him, Jake Kumaro, and believing that he's going to be back even on a minimum deal. Just is not going to happen. The guy that we thought was going to take this big leap in year two, and this is also built into the, the grade, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets a D because Early in the season, he made some plays, created down the field, did the thing that we thought he was going to be able to do, and that's hit some shot plays in this offense. The big play in the Bears game, the big play in the Broncos game for a touchdown, and he created in the Lions game even, and he was a useful player in this offense for the first month and a half of the season and then fell off the face of the earth, got hurt, fell out of favor with the coaches, and seemingly the quarterback Couldn't get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers last year. Had that big drop down the field. It was an underwhelming season for Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who was expected to take a step forward. Now his draft mate, Equinemia St. Brown, gets hurt in the preseason. He ends up on IR for the season rather than getting a 53-man roster spot and then going on IR and being able to come back. Had he done that, maybe he can give them a lift in the second half of the season. I still think he can be a good player, but for the 2019 season, he gets an incomplete. We'll throw in Ryan Grant, who was not on this roster to open the year and was really just a break-in-case-of-emergency type player if they needed bodies. He also gets an incomplete because he didn't get on the field. Among players who were on the roster before the year and were actually expected to perform, however... There is really just one player, and that is Jay Kumro. I gave Jay Kumro a C. He is an, an exclusive rights free agent, could be someone Green Bay brings back at the minimum. We'll see how they're able to cobble together some additions in free agency. I think they will bring him back at that minimum number because it costs them essentially nothing to cut him, bring him back through training camp. And if they like the development, let's say EQ comes back healthy and can give them something. Let's say MBS comes back and bounces back in year three, takes that that Devontae Adams-esque year three leap rather than the year two leap. Those are possibilities. But frankly, he's just not good enough. He is a very nice wide receiver four and a half, wide receiver five. Someone that, if there's a bunch of injuries, can come in for a game and give you something. Or in the right situation, in the right game with the right matchup, can give you a catch or two. But isn't really anything more than that. He is the proverbial, 
he is what he is guy. And that's all that he is. And if you expect him to be more than that, that's on you, not on him. And then Darius Shepard is a D. Came in, had a very promising preseason, and then had to be benched, and then eventually had to be cut. Came back on the practice squad, but the the drop off his face mask that turns into an interception in the Eagles game, couldn't hold on to the ball, and ultimately couldn't be on the field, paving the way for Alan Lazard, who was, in my opinion, the highest graded receiver for me, B-plus, because of expectations. He wasn't the best receiver full stop, but because he was an undrafted free agent coming in off the practice squad to give them the kind of production that he did, he showed something. He showed a type of mental toughness to come in and be ready. He showed physical ability when it comes to being able to make plays down the field, make make catches outside his frame, to be able to create after the catch, use him on end arounds. I mean, he showed a versatility. I'm not sure a lot of fans thought he had, and I'm not sure a lot of the coaches thought he had, but he is a potential building block for them moving forward. The problem is we thought that about these guys last year with MVS and EQ. We thought that late in the year they had really turned it on and were starting to turn the corner and could come come in in 2019 to be useful players, and they just didn't do that. So it is going to be something to monitor this offseason. Can Alan Lazard break into that wide receiver two discussion? Maybe, maybe not. How extensively Green Bay assigns resources to that position is going to tell us a lot about how they feel about guys like Alan Lazard, EQ, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Packers is also a great way for your local business to reach passionate Packer fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners and not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener, one that is well-educated with disposable income, and that's putting your company right here on Locked On Packers. Local fans love to support local businesses, so text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. So in years past, at least the last two years, Brian Gutekinds has identified a major offseason need and thrown a slew of resources at it. Two years ago, he goes in free agency and signs Tremont Williams, then uses his first two draft picks on cornerbacks to bolster a barren cornerback room for the Green Bay Packers. This past offseason, he goes out and spends huge money on two premier edge rushers, Preston Smith, Sedarius Smith, and then uses the 12th overall pick on Rashawn Gary to try and fix the edge rush. Well, this offseason, the question for the Packers is, can they find a secondary pass catcher? Now, whether that's a receiver or a tight end, I guess that is up to discussion. There are a lot of Packer fans and seemingly a growing number of Packer fans who have identified someone like Hunter Henry as a place where where they can find some value. Maybe. It depends on what the cost is out there and, and the players who are actually available because I do think Hunter Henry is a very talented young tight end. I also believe that spending money on tight ends is not a prudent use of resources because it's often for players who just do not impact the game that much more than the average player at their position who could be had for a fraction of the cost. At receiver, we also run into this problem because free agency artificially inflates the value of these players. When Adam Humphreys is making $9 million then you know it's going to be difficult to find value in the free agent market at the receiver position. It's why I have advocated all offseason for a Robert Woods trade. He's due $5.5 million in 2020, $7.5 million in 2021. Now they fully guaranteed his roster bonus, so maybe they feel like it's better to just have him on the roster and they can save the money in a year. But Jared Goff is going to be $30-plus million on their cap They've got Aaron Donald on the books. They're going to want to pay Jalen Ramsey. So can they afford to have Robert Woods when they have to pay Cooper Cup when they're already paying Brandon Cooks? It is a spot where I think Green Bay could get aggressive and seek to poach a very talented player who Aaron Rodgers would trust right away, a veteran player, someone who knows Matt LaFleur, who Matt LaFleur knows, and who would be familiar with this offense. Now, short of that, the free agent market does not provide a lot of compelling options. Is A.J. Green going to actually live, leave the Bengals? I don't think so. And if he does, sure, do the thing. Go get him because the upside is there. This is not Jimmy Graham. A.J. Green still has gas in the tank if he can stay healthy. We don't know if he can, but it's worth that gamble because if he does stay healthy, if he does what, say, Randall Cobb did in 2019 and actually stay healthy all season— he could come in and immediately 
catapult the Packers forward. He could be the difference in some of these games where they're facing elite defenses. I put this out on Twitter, and the resounding response from Packer fans, I was a little surprised by this. Spot track projects Robbie Anderson's market value in free agency to be $12 million a year, a, a two-year, $25-ish million, $24 million contract is their expectation. That's a lot of money. But that is the going rate for a solid and potentially dynamic complementary piece. Does Green Bay, with other needs and other desires in terms of signing players, re-signing Brian Bulaga, extending Kenny Clark, extending David Bakhtiari, extending Aaron Jones, could they find ways to do that in a cap-friendly way? Of course they could. Is $12 million on Robbie Anderson, who is a young player, a potentially ascending player, a, a prudent use of resources? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't love it at that price. It's the same with Emmanuel Sanders who is is expected to get, you know, upwards of 10 million according to SpotTrack. Well, that I think prices him out of Green Bay's range. He's just not dynamic enough, doesn't make a big enough impact on the team to get you really to to that dollar figure in terms of return on investment. But that leaves you with some of these other secondary players. Does Brashad Perriman do it for you? who got a one-year, $4 million deal from Tampa. Now, Perriman was a guy who Milt Hendrickson scouted in Baltimore, who drafted in Baltimore, knows Perriman, knows his skill set, and so could be interested in him. He played well for the Bucks down the stretch when they had injuries and is a player who you know could just be figuring it out at the right time. He has the skill set Green Bay needs with that down-the-field vertical ability, but is he reliable enough? Is he consistent enough? And would Aaron Rodgers trust in him? Could someone like Nelson Aguilar, who I really believed in pre-draft and have just been wrong about, but still shows flashes at times, could he be someone who comes in in the slot, in a secondary role, who revitalizes his career? Could be a cheap option, and that's why I like that one. And then Rashard Higgins is another one. The Browns fans loved him. He was someone that a lot of draft Knicks liked pre-draft. I didn't love him, but he was someone the fantasy football community was always high on. Could he come in on a small money deal and in, on a one-year or a two-year deal and, and give you a little bit of added versatility, can play inside-outside, can, can get down the field a little bit? I like the idea of that. I tend to like taking a shot on these smaller money deals that, that have the potential to pop because if they don't pop, they don't hurt you. I mean, the, the Bucks giving a $4 million fly, flyer to Perriman ended up paying off for them. Now, it didn't matter because they weren't good enough to be a playoff team, but had they gone to the playoffs and Mike Evans is hurt or Chris Godwin is hurt, Perriman would have had to play real snaps for them and had produced in doing so. There's serious value in that. So that's where I would be looking if you can't swing the Robert Woods trade. And it's true some of these other guys – Anderson, Sanders are going to cost 10 plus million. I'm just not interested in in it because the upgrade over the players they would be playing isn't there. Now, let's say Hunter Henry, who we'll talk about with with our tight end discussion at a different time, is only going to cost 8 million. I think that's a conversation that is much more appealing for the Packers because his improvement over the players that the Packers would otherwise have 
And then you you have him in concert with someone like Jay Sternberger, who you think can be the guy and who proved that he can block well enough to be your secondary guy if you're going to play a two tight end set and still play in the run game. Hunter Henry, one of the more underrated players at the position in the league. I think that makes more sense for them. You spend the money on Henry and then throw some draft capital at receiver at a time when the the receivers who are coming out of the draft are more capable than ever of coming in and making an impact. I like that for Green Bay because it still works with the geometry of your offense. You've got two guys now you hope in Henry and Sternberger who can make the geometry of your offense work. And then you can find a speed receiver who can take the top off a of defense, someone like Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, one of these guys who can get down the field. And now all of a sudden you've fundamentally changed the way your offense looks. Who are some of those guys in the draft? Let's look at it and we'll do it right after this. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. So this is a deep draft with receivers. And I've I've studied them. I, I went around the internet and tried to find an aggregation of all of the players who are getting first round buzz. And there's 10, 11 players who are projected to be first round picks. Now, they're they're not all going to go there. But that's an indicative number that lets you know just how talented this class of receivers is. A bunch of them are going to be gone. I pulled up Matt Miller's recent mock draft for Bleacher Report, and before the Packers picked, and he had them taking Cole Kmet, the tight end, over guys like LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, K.J. Hamler. Jerry Judy's gone. CeeDee Lamb's gone. Henry Ruggs is gone. T. Higgins is gone. Justin Jefferson is gone. That's five receivers. Now, you look at other mocks, there might be six receivers gone before Green Bay picks. That leaves them in a position that even in a deep draft, there is a drop-off. And I have my suspicion about where that drop-off is. I'm, I'm reserving the right to wait until closer to the draft to make final decisions about these receivers. There are players I like more than others right now as we stand here at the receiver position. I think CeeDee Lamb is the best guy in the draft. And it is it is a little confounding to me that that's not the consensus. But CeeDee Lamb is receiver one. I don't care what 40-time he runs. He is a dog. Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, and Justin Jefferson are closer as prospects than the, the consensus says. But to me... They're, they're somewhat similar players. 
I like all three of them. If any of them fell to Green Bay, they would be no-brainer picks. And we're already hearing whispers. Tony Pauline mentioned uh, that teams are not as high on Judy as draft Twitter or as the the media industrial complex of draft Twitter. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me because I'm not either. I think I think Judy is more like the 15th best player in the draft versus the fifth best player, even though there was a, a time when that discussion was being had, oh, is he the best non-quarterback in the draft, the best offensive player in the draft that's not a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. To me, no. But so if those five guys are, are likely to be gone and we don't know that, then that leaves – and by the way, I don't I, – I didn't mention Henry Ruggs. I only mentioned four guys. I didn't mention Henry Ruggs, who was gone in that Matt Miller mock draft and is consistently going in the top 25. I would not use a top 25 pick on Ruggs. I would not use a first-round pick on Ruggs. I do not like him on a bike. I do not like him Sam I am. And not as a first-round pick. So if he falls to, to Green Bay at 30, I think there is reasons that Green Bay would do that and reasons he would make sense for them. Would I love the value there? No. I think he's more like a second-round pick. But I feel that way about LaVisca Chanel, too, and, and I am an outlier in that, and I understand that. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I can only tell you what I see. And when I see those guys, I see guys who are balls of tools and not fully formed ideas of what a receiver is. I think the, the, the receiver position is so much more than pure athleticism. And we see this all the time. Guys who have all the athletic tools, they can't succeed because they just don't have the feel or they just don't have the movement skills or the intelligence or the balance or the consistency to ever be more than the sum of their athletic gifts. And that's what I see with those guys. I really like someone like Jalen Rager. If he's there at 30, I'm happy to make that pick. I think he is the perfect kind of player, especially if they go out and and they get, you know, Rashard Higgins, let's say, in free agency. You add a veteran, you add a springy young player who can take the top off the defense, who can return kicks. Love that. Same thing, Brandon Ayuk. He can return kicks, can, can create after the catch, can take a slant for six, or can beat you down the field on an 80-yard touchdown on a bomb. Those are those are the kind of players at 30 that I think at the receiver position Green Bay will be interested in. There could be other players. I don't know if someone like Hamler, who is 5'9", 170, 175. I don't know that he's going to appeal to Green Bay, though I think he's a very talented player, a dynamic player, and could potentially make another team very happy. I just don't think Green Bay is going to be all that interested in him. There are, suffice it to say, a ton of options in the draft. And when you go further down the draft, there are other guys, you know, even on day three players that I think can come in and be useful. If Tyler Johnson is there in the fourth round from Minnesota, you run the card to the commissioner or whoever is doing the the draft that day. And you, you get a player who is going to be the next James Jones. And, and that would be cool if it was a, a Packers team that got the next James Jones, because obviously the first James Jones was pretty good for the Packers. There are so many different types of receivers, whether it's physical guys, big guys, small guys, fast guys, twitchy guys, some guys who are a combination. Green Bay, depending on what they do in free agency, and this is kind of a new conversation for us as people who follow the Packers because for a long time, Ted Thompson didn't care about free agency. So the Packers roster on January 1st, 
was more or less the same that it was going to be on April 24th or whenever the draft was. We didn't have to worry about what was going to happen in March. They weren't going to they weren't going to sign anyone new. They were going to try and re-sign some of their guys and it was usually clear who those guys were going to be. Could there still be surprise cuts in August? Of course. We don't know what this roster is going to look like by the time the draft rolls around. It could be very different. And even if they sign guys, we know this already because Brian Gutekinds has done it. Even if they sign a player or trade for someone, that does not preclude them from going out and aggressively using draft capital to also bolster that position. It's something that I think they will look to do. Whether it's at receiver, I don't know. But in terms of finding multiple pass catchers. I think they will try and find multiple pass catchers, a tight end and a receiver, or two receivers and a tight end even, trying to throw as many resources at this issue as they can because this was a C-minus position group. That's not good enough. And when you look at the team that won the Super Bowl, they didn't have a C-minus. They have a slew. The Chiefs have a whole clowder of cats. That's a bad dad joke, but I don't apologize for it. They've got a bunch of different guys, and it allowed them to come back to score points in a hurry, and that's what you need in, in today's NFL, and it is something that that allowed them to win a Super Bowl. Green Bay can be in a similar position. They're, they're actually created very similar in, in team makeup in terms of strong front with pass rush, solid secondary, poor linebackers, bad run defense and a balanced offensive attack that is what the Chiefs are they're just they have a a higher upside because of who their skill position players are Green Bay is fighting to get into that realm and they can do it with a good offseason from Brian Gutekunst and his front office all right we're gonna be back tomorrow a lot to talk about the news in the NFL never sleeps so we will not either remember you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.